Learn how to build a better sign and print shop from a few crusty sign guys who've made more mistakes than they care to admit. Conversations and advice on pricing, sales, marketing, workflow, growth, and more. You're listening to the Better Sign Shop Podcast with your hosts, Peter Kurunis, Michael Riley, and Bryant Gillespie. Before we jump into the episode, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, GCI Digital Imaging, grand format printer to the trade. We talk a lot about outsourcing on the podcast and the importance of having good partners. And GCI Digital Imaging is a good partner to have. Owner TJ Bedact and his team focus on providing killer customer service, just the way grandmother used to make it. If you're interested in learning their approach to business, hop back into the archives to episode nine, where the guys and I interview TJ about customer experience. So if you're looking for a high quality trade printer for banners, wraps, and other printed graphics that your customers throw at you, check out GCI Digital Imaging at printgci.com. All right, guys, welcome to the next edition of the Better Sign Shop podcast. As always, I've got my friends and colleagues with me, Peter Karunas, the Sign Shop Yoda. How are you, Pete? What's up, everybody? Happy to be back. Yeah, glad to have you back. We missed you last episode. And we have the Sign Design Samurai, Michael Riley. Mike, how are you? Is that what you've settled on for me, the Samurai? Nobody has given me any new ones uh, as of late. So the second somebody gives me a new one, (laughs) you're going to get hit with another one. I don't don't know what it's going to be from, you know, I've run out of nicknames myself. I'm just exhausted. Like I, I don't have any more brain power left to give you a new nickname. So somebody else, if you're listening to this, keep the nicknames coming. We want to keep Mike on his toes. I'm having an identity crisis. I'm, (laughs) <laughs> starting to freak out a little bit here every week it's a new <laughs> it's a new nickname for mike i'm good how are you i'm good good what's That's good what's new with you guys pete dude what have you been doing well i've been really busy i've been real busy i've been keeping myself busy in the franchise world also meeting some new sign shop owners in the world uh discussing franchising with them discussing how to make them you know, strive for operational excellence. So we've been, I've been traveling, meeting new sign shop owners, helping them get their stride, hit their stride and love the fact of uh, trying to help as many people as I possibly can. It sounds like you're really enjoying retirement. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, You know, uh, throwing in the, uh, the sign shop owner badge for sign shop consultant is, uh, has been, a very busy transaction, a very a busy transition, I should say. And it is very heartwarming and, and welcoming and humbling. I love that I get to meet people in different parts. I love that I get to go to different parts of the country. I've never been to Missouri, never been to Chicago, Georgia. So just meeting new sign shop owners, helping them in their operation. It's been, it's been really fun so far. Missouri. Huh? <laughs> Exotic. Uh- <laughs> very exotic <laughs> mike what have you been up to man uh same old for me trying to lay low and just stay busy opposite of peter <laughs> two very di- different life tracks i think enjoying retirement as well enjoying retirement yeah 
Are you still staying up till 2 a.m. in the mornings designing stuff? Or you got that cut out now? Uh, I, I don't know, man. I'm on a weird schedule. Like I, I, I tend to just kind of during the day poke around the house and work on house projects and respond to email anymore. It seems like I, my brain wants to design at night. So I, I sort of like start working on design work after, after dinner. And then I kind of go till I get tired, which is a weird cycle I'm trying to break. But it's really just kind of like my personality and not being so busy that I have to work until 2 a.m. anymore. Kind of got that under control. Hey, speaking of your designs, you know, we had a, a post where you put out a couple of examples of some of your most recent work mock-ups. And it's gotten a lot of praise, and especially in conversations I've had. A lot of people have shown more impressed by what you have put out there, so, uh, including myself. But it was kudos to you. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think I know which post you're talking about. I think I picked up nine clients off of one Facebook post. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I need to do more marketing. Imagine that. Yeah, we a sign guy that that actually does marketing. That's like a it's an anomaly as well. A penguin that flies or something, right? (laughs) I was really struggling to to come up with something there. That's it's a good analogy. I can tell you guys what kind of fun I've been having. Yeah, what have you been up to, Brian? Car Um, shopping? Car shopping again. (laughs) So we we just got my wife a new car. She had it for about three weeks and uh some young buck decided to jump in front of her car on the way to work and uh, didn't end well for him, didn't end well for the car. My wife is okay, thankfully, but we have totaled two cars in two months. So that's where we're at. And just for my own clarification, because I'm, I'm a bit up north. When you say young buck, that's not a young kid. That's, a, that's actually a young deer, correct? <laughs> that is a deer, yes. Yes, yes okay. Deer. Just want just want to make sure that you didn't commit like a hit and run there. <laughs> no, I I was being vague uh, intentionally there, but yeah, no, it was um, it's just a, a young male deer that for whatever reason decided to play in traffic eight o'clock in the morning. Not wise. He just did it. I still can't get over the fact that she totaled two cars within a month of each other. Like that's, I can't believe you guys still have insurance. Like I feel like your insurance company mm. should have dropped you. By now. Yeah. <laughs> the cease and desist letter this week comes from the insurance company. <laughs> Farmers insurance. Uh the insurance is, is we've got really great insurance. Yeah, it's like the teacher insurance, horse man. So and like a, if a deer, if you hit a deer and there's nothing you can do, it's considered an act of God. So they can't really penalize you for that. Or at least that's what they told us. That's, that's uh good. that's very interesting. I'm not saying go get like your truck and go hit deer on purpose. But <laughs> just... hey, Brian, Brian told me you guys were cool with this. So. <laughs> yeah. So hey, that's what we've been wrestling with. Other than that, uh, just staying busy. So have you kids. guys picked out a new car yet? Or are you still, still trying? To uh, we're, we're deciding. My wife likes nice cars. So we're looking at a Mercedes E-Class right now. Use one, uh, not a new one, but uh, hopefully by the time we record the next one, we'll have that sorted out because we're going to take the rental car back tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> On a scale of one to 10, how sick and tired are you of shopping for cars right now? Uh, I'm probably like an eight and, oh, and I enjoy that wow. process. My wife oh. is probably like at an 11. Uh, just <laughs> Totally defeated. Like, I feel so bad for, you know, like, 
you have the car that you wanted and then a deer just jumps in front of you. You know, I'm, I'm actually interested. I have a question because I recently bought a, a couple of vehicles here, but I bought mine through an app because I hate the experience of a car dealership experience. I mean, we preach on how to sell signs here and, and how to coach people on how only selling signs. Do not do it like car dealers do. Like that to me is like the worst of the worst. But I, but buying it through an app was actually re- very simple. It actually just got delivered here this afternoon on a flatbed. Like it was seamless. Have you tried that? Uh, we looked at Carvana, but they wouldn't deliver it to our house because we live in Podunk, West Virginia. So we had to, we would have to drive two hours to pick up the vehicle, which is like at that point, it might as well. My wife hates it. Like I, I like to play that game, and I, I don't know why. It's it like some. I, no. it's probably something I need to go to therapy for, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm sorry. I'd rather listen to people nickel and dime me over graphic design than ever have to go to a car dealership used or new. That process is just, I feel like the moment you walk in the door, they're ready to bend you over like that whole, like that whole process from beginning to end. And when you're finally sitting in with the, like that finance manager, she's like hitting you with, do you want rim protection? Do you want wheel protection? Do you want extra years on your warranty? I'm like, I already gave, I already signed away half my life and spent 18 hours here. I'm not looking to spend another hour with you talking to you about the what ifs. Well, we have really great dent coverage and really great rim. Uh, uh, I was like, what the heck is road rash? Oh, road rash. Yeah, that's when your curbs run against the curb. Uh, your car rims run against the curb. You know, doesn't that happen? It's like $400 a rim to fix. I could, if you pay now, it's $89. Like, lady, <laughs> stop making my hair gray. And Why haven't I heard your, your impression of this lady, this unnamed car lady before? <laughs> Lorraine? Her name is Lorraine. Her name Lorraine. is, it's not even Karen, it's Lorraine. It should. It could be Beatrice, depending on the s- s- day of the week. Reminds yes. me of the secretary in uh, in Monsters Inc. You guys see that movie? Yes, I don't know. I don't remember the secretary. Mike Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. You know, would you <laughs> like to add the road rash to your car warranty? That's it. <laughs> no, I, it definitely seems like an industry that's like just primed for somebody to come in and totally disrupt it. But it's, it's amazing to me that nobody can or has yet. Like it's like the, it's the last holdout of moving to, uh, you know, CarMax, Carvana, like Carvana, true car, like like everything. If you buy a car through those apps, I think you'll have a much easier time, but if they don't deliver to you, then all right, you got to go into the dealership. Yeah. So enough, enough about the car shopping. Let's get into it today. Mike, I know you're a pretty hard fanboy of Signcraft magazine. I'm freaking out over like, here. I'm freaking out. I'm like, who, who do we got? About on the, the shake out of my pants. Who do we got? We got him. Who is we it? We got him. Tom McElrath of Signcraft magazine. Yeah, yeah. This is exciting. I, this is Signcraft was like, and 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 still is to an extent the mm-hmm. you know, the bible of of sign making for me. I mean, it just what an amazing, amazing magazine that it is and was. And I've learned so much about the craft and the art of making signs and, and, you know, all the skill that goes into it and the design. So for me, I'm like, I didn't sleep last night. Like I'm just, I'm giddy with excitement to talk to this guy. Like it's, you have no this idea. is Mike's Christmas. 
Yeah, it is. Seriously, like Christmas and February. This is, this is going to be awesome. All right. No, this is Let's it. Go. Like this is this is the pinnacle of my career right here. Like like I have peaked Ooh. right now, and it's all downhill after this. So. All right. We'll Let's never bring talk. Him on. Let's bring him on. All right, guys. So we are back with Tom McElfrott of Signcraft. Welcome on, Tom. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, it's super nice to have you. Yeah, we're really excited you're here. This is cool. Great. Hey, Mike said this was his Christmas. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had a well, sleepless night last night. Yeah, I'm, in I'm honored. So. <laughs> like, hey, so many of us, like a sign craft, when we were coming up in the industry... I hate to date myself. I don't know how many years ago it was <laughs> now, but it, like Signcraft was, that was how we communicate or like how we learned the trade was like, okay, yeah. I can pick up Signcraft. I've got these detailed articles with all the photos step-by-step step of how to make this sign or how to design something or how to price something. And, you know, I, I know certainly I wouldn't be here today without Signcraft. So just thank you to get that out wow. of the way. Well, thank you very much. That's cool to hear. Appreciate that. Mike, do you want to do you want to get yeah, your no, love letter now? <laughs> same, same for me. I mean, I when I started in the industry yeah. back in the mid nineties, I I mean, just devoured every episode issue of Signcraft I could get my hands on. And I've still got cool. you know, several hundred in storage. I need to dig those out <laughs> and go through them again. Uh, yeah, I, I would say eighty percent of what I know about this industry I learned from your magazine. Um, great. It, it was the greatest thing ever. I mean, I, I loved it. I mean, all the way down to like, I would even geek out over the paper and the print quality in it, which was just <laughs> you know, several steps above any other magazine out there. And it was, yeah. It was, well, thank you. I appreciate you noticed that we were, we were always proud of the, of the stock and the, and the print quality. And that was a big thing for us since it was a graphics magazine, you know, a visual experience. So we were, we were kind of, that was important to us. Yeah, it made it, it made a huge. I mean, you know, we're all geeks about that kind of stuff in this industry, and it definitely mm -hmm. made a huge difference. I mean, it's just the, the tactile feel of it when you flip through pages. I mean, it's it's a much yeah. more engaging, fun experience to read a magazine like that versus one that's printed on, you know, like tissue paper. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, I feel like we we like know the story of Tom through Seincraft, but I really don't know the story of Tom. So like, give us <laughs> give us your background, like how. How did you get started in the sign industry? How did Signcraft come about? Sure. Well, like a lot of folks are my age, our age, I was um, in high school and not wanting to do something with my hands, something creative, and uh, worked in a cabinet shop for a while, worked in uh, a couple other kind of hands-on businesses. But one day I was on my way home from school and there were a couple of guys, three guys, on a billboard in front of a new development and uh, back in a field. So I swung the car off the road and trudged back there through the muck and got, got there and asked them, how do you guys, how do you learn to do this? And two of them said, Oh, don't bother. It's too much work. <laughs> and one guy told me, uh, you just need to get some old, cool old sign books and, uh, and start practicing, learn how to letter. Well, I missed that part. I, I, I got home, but I was still cranked about it. So I, I started thumbing through the yellow pages and calling sign shops and seeing if anybody needed help. So I got all the way to G. Two shops told me, same thing. If you can't let her, we don't need you. You know, we don't need somebody to sweep up. So, but I got to G and called Gene Signs and uh, Gene answered the phone. And as luck would have it, he had a, 
young woman there through a DCT program at high school, you know, part-time cooperative training person, and she had just quit. So I told him, he said, what can you do? I said, I'll do anything. You know, I can paint boards, I can answer the phone. And so I went there and he had a small traditional commercial sign shop. And uh, I started hanging out there every day after school, even on days he wasn't paying me and didn't want me and didn't need me um, and tried to make myself indispensable. I dug postals and and stuff. And we, we clicked pretty well. And so after about a month, he one day after, after I punched out, he said, you know, here, one minute, take a look at this. And he got a piece of yellow show card out and slapped it on the easel and gave me a number six quill with some dolphinite poster color and said, watch this. And he drew me, drew some lines with his yardstick, you know, right across there and lettered a one stroke, a bunch of one stroke letters. And, um, and then he said, here, try. And um, so I did. And it was a god awful experience, you know, and I still have the, I still have that first uh, piece of show card um, somewhere, but, but that was it. I was hooked on making letters with a brush. So I, I just went home and built an easel in the garage and started practicing. So I was about 16 or 17 at the time. And I worked there for about three, four years. And I'm a native of Pennsylvania. So my, my family at the time returned, they moved back. They had only lived in Florida about five years. They went back to Pennsylvania. And, and in that same time, both of my older, my brothers, my older brother and my younger brother wound up working at that same sign shop. It was growing like crazy. And he, by then he had about six employees and of which we were three of, you know, half the staff. Um, <laughs> right. And, and we, uh, so we, he, he was get he had gotten into screen printing. We were printing real estate signs and t-shirts and, and we were doing all sorts of flat signs, painted signs. So, so when we decided to move back to PA, we went up there and moved back to the small town that we were from north of Pittsburgh and there was uh. no sign shop there. So there was no place to work. So we, we just figured, well, we'll open one. And so we went into the sign business, totally green. Like I say, I was maybe 20. And we made all the classic mistakes, worked there for a couple of years, and then decided Florida was a lot better place to live and work and everything. <laughs> While we were there, we um, we got in sandblasting signs, saw Big John Brussel's book advertised in Signs of the Times, and we, and we blasted our first signs there in PA. And when we got back to Florida, it was a completely different market, much better market for blasted signs and developments were popping up everywhere. And so we did that for a couple of years. And in between, we were all single, three of us traveled around a lot. Whenever we did, we stopped in sign shops and we'd connect with people. We'd either get chased off or we'd connect with people, one of the two. <laughs> so when we, when we connected with folks, we often wound up sending photographs back and forth. And I was talking to Chester Cunningham at the time, who I'd met through Signs of the Times and seen his work there. And um, he hooked me up with Big John Brussel and and some folks like that, Chuck Udipole and Bob Sealander, all old time traditional sign guys who were at the top of their game. So they would send photographs to, to us. We would dupe them and send them to other folks we knew. And somewhere along in the line in there, one of us decided, hey, wouldn't it be cool to have a magazine just for sign painters, which is what we were primarily you know, at the time. So we kicked it around a little bit. We, we went to the library and photocopied a thousand sign shop addresses out of the yellow pages for some reason the, the library had yellow pages for the for all the major cities there and so we just oh, wow. got our got our dimes out and photocopied all the all the pages that we needed we went home typed up mailing labels wrote a letter saying here's what we'd like to do it's going to be nine bucks a year it's going to come out quarterly 
and it's going to be a magazine for sign shops. It was it was a very self-serving thing. It was we did just what we wished was coming in our mailbox. So we sent it out. We got 88 people who sent us back, 88 brave souls who sent us nine bucks to, to give it a go. And and that was it. We got started in 1980, printed a thousand copies of the first issue, wow. went back to the sign shop and slid them in envelopes and sent them away. And uh, a year or so later, we sold the shop to some friends of ours to get the cash we needed to start printing color. Color back then was incredibly expensive. Separations were right. 300 bucks a page for an eight by 10 and, um, and color printing then was, was really high priced. So, but there was an explosion coming that we didn't realize with print, print production was getting easier and more affordable. And so we just kind of grew right along with that. And a couple of years later, it was a full color magazine and, uh, and that's the, the subscription. History. Wow. Yeah. yeah the yeah, subscription, yeah. the subscription numbers just grew. We, we were amazed. We were totally <laughs> amazed that, and the cool work that came in, in the mail, you know, envelopes from first from like Raymond Chapman and Emmett Morelli, then, and they told other folks. And then I, I distinctly remember the day I got an, an envelope from this cat in Bloomington, Indiana, Gary Anderson, and slid his photographs out. And the, the one on the top was Bloomington Winery on the top of that stack. And it, it went on the cover of that next issue at the time. And, uh, it was just the start of a whole bunch of really neat friendships with really creative people who were amazingly willing to share what they knew. And uh, we, we, we had worries about that initially, about are we going to be able to get enough material? Are people going to tell us stuff? You know, yeah. We had been chased out of sign shops, so we knew it. Sometimes it was a, it was a touchy subject trying to- What were those uh, conversations like when you guys went into a sign shop? Like you just like cold walked up to uh, somebody yeah. else's sign shop? Was sure. Like, hey, we're sign guys. Can we hang out and chat? Like, yeah. And I, and you know, I, I remember going to one in Vermont, Dick Flynn, he's gone now, but um, he was a really cool guy, a great sign carver and a good solid sign painter. We walked up to his shop and, and he was out front lettering a truck and he worked from, from studio in his home. And, and so while he was talking, while we were talking, he kind of reached up and pulled the overhead door down to the shop so we couldn't quite you know it was like in the old days we used to say oh a sign another sign guy you know hide the patterns um, hide the work orders um but um so but we went on to become great friends uh and dick was a big um proponent for uh for us encouraging us to do sign craft he he was a great guy and, but you know some, some it's it's really probably not too different than it is now for you guys visiting sign shops some shops are very open and very motivated and they're excited about what they're doing. They want to do new things. And other shops are more in a niche. They don't really want to maybe do any experimenting. They don't really want to talk uh, about about the work. So we just always were able to connect with uh, droves of, of those folks who were really energetic about what they were doing. And um, it was inspiration. It, it juiced us up. And and drove the whole thing. We really didn't do an awful lot of promotion, but by the early '90s, when you guys, I guess, would have started seeing it, it was going to twenty-two thousand sign shops in seventy-four countries, I believe it was. Wow! And uh, and it's an incredible little niche of really creative, inspired people. Did you ever have any trouble getting content for the magazine from people, or were people just beating down your door to submit? Right. 
No, the first three issues we had to work pretty hard at. And Chester Cunningham was still alive then. And he, he said, Tom, you're not going to get information. There's not enough of the people who are really enthused about the work. And, and you're not going to get a steady flow of articles and material, photos and stuff for articles. But but it didn't pan out. It it actually went the other way. And even to this day, I have the exact opposite problem. I, I always have to suffer through sorting out what I'm going to what I'm going to use now, because there's this massive amount of um, of work that I'm aware of or people have shared with me, you know, that I want to get in the magazine. It was murder in the print days, especially because, you know, we would have um, four to six pages for a profile. And that was maybe 14, 16 photographs. And somebody would send you 90 pictures you know, or 40 pictures and you'd spread these all out. And it's like, Oh no, use this one. No, we got to use this one. So it's like, it was, uh, it was always tough, but, but man, it was fun. Yeah. That's really cool. So who, this is, this is probably a hard, hard question to answer. What what was your, your favorite article you ever, you ever ran in the magazine? Do you hmm. remember? <laughs> or have there yeah. been so many that it's like, oh, impossible to there, yeah, there have been so many. I, I think the, um, I enjoy the design-driven articles the most, probably, because I, I think that's what created SignCraft was the idea that a, a, an individual sign person had their own style and they they could create this cool stuff, and it gave them something to sell beyond letters on a board. You know, there were a lot of guys back then doing hand lettering, but a lot of it was just functional kind of stuff. But but then when you started running these creative people, like God Almighty, Bob Bohonic, Tom Kelly, all the folks in New Jersey, you know, Glenn Weisgerber, Bert, Quimby, names of those, there's so many of those folks that really every one of those articles became a, a favorite. You know, it was like all that energy from those from those creative people. So <laughs> I, I remember, I think one of my favorite issues you guys ever released was uh, like mid late nineties. It was a uh, kind of a spotlight on all the Jersey guys. And it was a, uh, you know, a whole issue about Jersey style lettering and that, I mean, I still draw inspiration from that to this day. Yeah. You know, that, that style is really like, you know, kind of stayed back in the nineties. There's right. what a, what an amazing wealth of, of knowledge and information. Just that one, that one issue had from those guys. It yeah. Really, really cool. Hey Tom, I, Welcome to the welcome to the show. I just wanted to introduce myself. We've never met, but big fan. I was very pleased to see that we were able to get you onto the show here, and I'm so happy that you answered that Mike's last question in that way because that's really what resonated with me and this magazine. I couldn't wait to talk to you about this, so it's a good segue into this topic here. <laughs> Design. I, 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 for me, the magazine was. A, a godsend to learning what what others were doing around the country. Yeah. Uh, just being introduced to different artists and different concepts and ideologies and methodologies of doing things and what software they did it in. And this is what was the before and this is how they got to the after. Uh, I, that's what I looked forward to the most. I don't have a collection of your magazines that are in storage like Mike does, but <laughs> I kept, I kept a, a, a large amount 
amount of selection in my lobby of all of my locations. I, it was a requirement for my franchise. Almost every one of my locations had a subscription to your magazine so that they were in the lobbies of their locations as well. And customers loved reading it. I think it was a really great uh, value-add from, um, from a customer experience. Like, hey, this is what Maybe you can be inspired by perusing through this magazine. You like that word, right? Perusing. <laughs> <laughs> perusing through that magazine to get some inspiration, right? Because, you know, the average consumer doesn't really know what they want. So if you can reference examples of sign shop owners across the country, I mean, I used your magazine as, as an asset, as a tool in my mm -hmm. tool belt. And just from my own perspective in being introduced to different designers with their portfolio and, 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 and showcasing their work has made me, has pushed me to be a better designer. And I'm sure you hear this a lot. I'm sure you get this a lot. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, yeah, we do hear it a lot, and it's always good to hear. It's it's um, you know, Signcraft. We were able to be a clearinghouse for all that good stuff. That that's what I think the significant thing was. And so many people have told me that, uh, and we realized this when we were starting to get all these photographs of cool work from other people. When a customer is standing there and is telling you, you know, I need a sign <laughs> to cut to the chase, it's so good to be able to show them a few things and narrow that sign that's in their head down to what there's appeals to them or what they, they're thinking or what their budget is for. And so a lot of folks have told us that they use the magazine that way because it, it kind of uh, really when, when a customer looks through a dozen or two dozen or three dozen photographs, something's going to flip their switch. And so you can kind of, you know where to go because, you know, it's like Ken Millar used to say when people said that, you know, I need a sign. It's, well, you come to the right place. I can make you one for $20. I can make you one for $20,000. So all we got to do is figure out where you are in between. So, so yeah. And, and, you know, Peter, you probably realized this too from the magazine. Wasn't it amazing to unearth all those kind of regional sign styles? We, we didn't realize there was this going on at all. When we, and, and so for us, it was an education as we went along to see the, the Chicago school, you know, of the, the Chicago designers and to learn how those guys had gone to California in the 50s and created another whole West Coast style that was happening there. The Jersey work, the the, the traditional carved New England, uh, hand carved gold leaf signs that were all over New England. You know, it's like I'd never seen one of those in real life until I got to Vermont. You know, and, and here they were on every store from a hardware store to, a, you know, to a and b But that was really that genre, you know, there in the Northeast. And then San Jose, which Mike Stevens um, built his whole um, approach around, that was another whole design school. So there's probably eight or 10 U.S. design schools like that, I think, that uh, that we could identify. But, yeah. um, and you know, You're like the sign historian almost, <laughs> I just got exposed to a lot of cool stuff by a lot of inspiring people. And I'm really grateful for that and, and to have known these, these folks. And, you know, so much of it back then was definitely not like this. We, we did it over the phone and through, uh, you know, handwritten letters and notes and stacks of pictures wrapped up in pattern paper that, uh, that showed up in the mail. So. It was uh, it was a pretty vibrant time, especially 
because there were a lot of, besides that group of people who were sharing this stuff, there was armies of folks like you guys who were hungry for it. And pre-internet, there was, it was, there weren't a lot of places to get that information. There weren't any really. (laughs) Right. Right. And they like the uh, Mike and Pete and I talk about the early days of like signs 101 and like some of the sign specific Mm -hmm. forms that popped up when the internet came around. And, you know, it was very much that mentality, like you mentioned of like, Hey, I come walking into these guys painting on a billboard and I'm like, Hey, I want to get into this. And everybody's like, no, get out of here. Like go get a real job. Like you don't want to be a sign guy. So I can't imagine what that was like before the internet. though. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one cool old sign guy in a sign shop in Pennsylvania, putting his arm on my shoulder and saying, son, go be a barber. That's where the money is. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, in hindsight, do you wish you would have taken that advice? (laughs) (laughs) No, needless to say, I'm really happy with how, how things went here. I, I, um, I'm really grateful to have, to have, you know, bumped into this and and all these cool people, and and to have been able to to share it, really with folks around the world. Got a really nice letter uh, email the other day from some folks in Amsterdam who have a bunch of the old magazines. I have no idea where they got them, and and really loved. You know, just wrote to say how much they loved it and how much how helpful it was, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, so. yeah. everything that is old becomes new again. Yeah, we put. Yeah. Um, we've got a, a Facebook community for sign shop owners and the other day I posted like, give us your take on the future of the industry. And a couple of people came back and said, Hey, like gold leaf is coming back. Uh, tra- you know, they like these, these craft, uh, the craft of signage is coming mm-hmm. back. You know, you've had like a front row seat to the industry over uh, the last, you know, 30, 42 years, 40 years. Yeah. 42. <laughs> I was, I was, <laughs> I was thinking like 1980, I was like, man, that's yeah. Yeah, like, like what kind of like big shifts have you seen? You know, have you like, oh, hey, this is like a, a changing of the, the industry. Yeah. Well, the computer, of course, rewrote things for every, for all of us, not just the sign industry, but for printing, the printing industry and, and everything. But um, I think there was a, like a renaissance time there in the 70s, 80s, 90s, when people were really interested in kind of doing things with their hands and having a business where they were kind of in full control. They they talked to the customer, they did the cool design, they carved the letters, they laid the gold leaf and planted it, you know. And so, but I think that that's harder to do now. There are still folks doing it. It's, you know, the cost of living and, and the cost of shop space and, and everything, the cost to get into the sign business have all gone up exponentially you know before it was just a matter of a box of brushes and um so i think that the big difference is that we've we've gone to this full digital thing and i just did an interesting article with shane dernford who's been who started out as a sign painter became a sign carver because vinyl was coming in did sign carving and workshops and everything up in canada for years burned out took a hiatus and and has come back to carve incredibly beautiful signs and probably it, host some workshops again. Just uh, to insert something here, if anybody listening has never seen Shane's work, <laughs> look him up <laughs> and prepare to have your mind blown. Like talk about yeah. unbelievably talented guy. Like this guy is exactly. one of the most incredible sign makers I've ever seen. Yeah. ShaneDurnford.com. Another 
Another website we could share with folks to check out is solosigns.com, uh, Lane Walker's Reno Sign Shop, who, who is just that. He works alone, works solo, hand-lettered, letters everything, some incredible truck work, uh, is leaving that shop every day. So there's uh, there are a lot. And you know, it gives me an idea, actually, for a cool article sometime is to collect all the websites of that folks really should start visiting because there's just a tremendous amount of, of mind blowing work there to, to check out. But, but like I say, I can see it in, in folks like Shane's career that some of these folks are coming back to us or coming back to hand lettering and carving and whatnot. And they found a niche again with part of the business community that, that values that like, you know, tattoo parlors, barber shops, cigar shops, coffee shops, pubs, there, there's a market for creative handmade signs again. And, and if, if somebody's really into more of a production mode and they're, they're into, you know, to do, want to do printed or do, want to do electrical, there's, there's so many opportunities there too. So. Mike, what do you, like, what's your take on this, man? Like I, you know, we, we've beat the dead horse a couple of times of where like, this is why you got in the industry was to do the nice signs. Like, do you think they're, do you see them making a comeback? I do. I, I think that when I, when I got into the industry in the, in the mid nineties, I, I think the, um, you know, that was kind of right as the computer and, and vinyl cutters and everything were becoming pretty mainstream. I mean, they're pretty attainable for every sign shop and that, that definitely shifted the trajectory, I think, of the industry as a as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about this a little bit with, with Dan Antonelli uh, when we had him on the show about you know there's, there's very little barrier of entry to the industry, right? I mean, if you've got thirty forty grand, you can buy a plotter and a, pl- a printer and you know computer, and you're in the sign industry. And it, it's funny, mm-hmm. you know, Tom just said you know back then, and you fifty bucks in brushes, and you're in the industry, right? But the barrier there was you got to know how to use those brushes. Yeah. And that's, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a, that's a yeah. huge. That's, that's a part. Yeah. You didn't say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a big difference there. Yeah. It's, it's um, pretty easy yeah. to spot, right? Like, right. Yeah. 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 Well, that guy doesn't know how to use, you know, like you can't really spot the guy that doesn't know how to use his, his Roland, but you definitely can spot the guy who doesn't know how to use, you know, a lettering. Very, um, very true. And um, I, so I got into the industry and wanted to do the types of signs that Signcraft featured. I mean, that, I mean I, this, that was uh, like pornography for me. <laughs> like, I can't put this down. I can't, I, I have to make this stuff. I have to learn how to make this stuff. And, and, and I did, and I found out really quickly that at least where I was, the market for it was, was dying out. Mm. It, it was really hard to sell hand carved high end gold leaf signs in, yeah. uh, in Dayton, Ohio, where everybody really wanted going out of business banners. And, yeah. um, mm. I, I think that now 20 plus years, into that whole quote unquote digital revolution in the sign industry. I think people have finally started to wake up and realize that these are, these are only tools and they don't really do anything other than what you, you tell them to do. And I think that people are starting to recognize that yeah, technically it's a sign. It says my business name, but it's not, there's no artist. There's no, there's no craft to that. There's no art in that. And I think people are really wanting to see a return to, to that. And a lot of the signs that I'm designing, especially in the, in the last few years have really taken a shift towards craft in in it and and wanting to see something that's not just a, a flat digital print slapped on a piece of dye bond or something mm-hmm. i think it's still got a ways to go and i i do think that and, and the post you're talking about on the, the facebook group brian um I, I i mentioned this in a comment i think that as weird as it sounds it's really easy for all of us to to kind of talk down on the current you know young generation generation <laughs> z i think it is whatever it is <laughs> but 
but you know, those kids are, they grew up with, they, they don't, they don't have any reference other than the internet. And, and, and they're yeah. in that younger generation. It's interesting. They're recognizing the value in handmade things that I think gener- a couple of generations prior to them don't quite see because that we, we experienced that transition from handmade to digital. And so we're, we're almost blind to it, but this young generation, they, they didn't experience what it was like before digital. So they see this and there's a, there's a massive nostalgia value to them. Like, mm-hmm. look, this is so cool. It's before my time, this hand painted, hand carved gold leaf <laughs> sign is so much cooler yeah. than this digitally printed sign. So I think it's, it's coming full circle. I think that vinyl and digital are starting to settle into their place and not be, you know, and just become seen as, you know, a tool or a means to an end. And I, and I think, and I'm seeing a lot of people really being willing and, and interested in paying a premium for that quality handmade look. And I, and I hope in the yeah. next 10 years that really becomes the dominant thing again. I don't know if yeah. it will, but. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. But you know, you, you already see it in, I think like in restaurant interiors and restaurants and, and pubs, interiors, mm-hmm. coffee shop interiors, there's a lot of interest in using signs as like decor. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they want them handmade, you know, for that stuff. And yeah. uh, so that, I think there's, there's some interesting trends there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's interesting how it's, it's gone from such a utilitarian thing to actually being a desirable, almost piece of art. I mean, it is, it is art, mm-hmm. it, depending on yeah. how you define art. And I think people are finally starting to recognize that again. I think it was true in the past and I think it'll be true again. I hope anyway. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. So, hey, Tom, we've talked about hey, kind of the current state of affairs, like, and you know, where we wanted to go. Where do you? What's your take on the future of the sign industry? Like, where do you? Where do you see everything going? Well, I think really to echo what Michael's saying, I think there's, as long as the economy stays strong, there's going to be a market for creative, creative signs, and that gives a leg in for the folks who want to have that type of focus for their for their business. There's no doubt it's easier in like tourist markets or urban markets. It's like Mike was saying, Dayton, Ohio. I came from Western PA, north of Pittsburgh, Rust Belt City. You know, it was very hard to get anybody to turn loose of any money mm-hmm. for a sandblasted sign. But when I got back to Fort Myers, when we get back to Fort Myers, is that real estate development exploding and the beaches becoming much more um, with a lot more tourist traffic. It was easier to get. Um, to get folks to, you know, write a check for something cool. So it's, it's, I feel bad for folks who are in a market where it just isn't happening yet, or maybe never will happen. So they'll have to kind of sprinkle those cool signs that they love doing in with the, the more functional stuff they do. But at the same time, even, even the everyday, you know, bread and butter signs, the design side of it can keep, can keep you enthused and, and energetic. You know what? A lot of the sign painters I worked with in the early days there, they they really never had an opportunity even to do gold leaf. I mean, there was nobody was doing gold when I was 20 years old. I actually had to learn it from a, an old retired sign painter that I read an article about him in the in the newspaper, and I went and pestered him and <laughs> and got him to show me how to how to glass gold, do glass gold. And um, and he kind of it was kind of like a novelty for him. And uh, his name was Chet Board, and he said. Uh, it's like, you know, why do you want to do this? Nobody's going to ever gild their glass windows, gild glass again on windows because companies move too often, you know, and, and names change too too often. He said, you know, before, if you lettered a bank window, it stayed there until the window broke or the, the lettering fell off, you know, the, the bank was just going to be there. But so that turned around. I mean, look at all the cool uh, barbershop and tattoo glass gold 
masterpieces that are being done. And I hope everybody's getting paid for their time. But I know they're having a good time doing it because we can tell, right? We can tell when we look at their work. But uh, I think there'll be there'll be some of that. I think personally, I think the emphasis is going to have to go back and continue to go back to design because really. In most shop situations, that's what we're selling, especially with computer equipment. Kind of it, uh, it yeah, right. Compu- computers level the field as far as the production side, and so if you stay with just how fast and how cheap you can produce signs, it's 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 mud wrestling. It's no fun there, and there's always going to be somebody at the flea market or in their garage who is totally inexperienced or maybe has other sources of income who will do it for less. So competing on that edge is always messy. Whereas if you have, if you, you know, beef up your design skills and you have, have something to offer on the design side that the customer can see with, with your portfolio or on your website or your Instagram page, it's like, Hey, this guy or this gal, whoever it is can do, can do what I need and give me that edge. I think there's more business owners who are kind of looking for that now. There's still folks who are going to come in and say, this is what my nephew designed. This is what I want. And I really do want the letters right out to the very edge of the board. So, and you have to decide whether you're in the position to say, thanks, but there's a shop across town who will take care of you, you know, or like somebody told me recently, just close my eyes and click print. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that you, you said that about design, Tom. It's something that I'm, I'm, Every time I get the opportunity to to preach that to people, I in this industry, I I do. I think, and I, I think with with the rise of computers and, and digital technology, I think a lot of people in this industry have lost sight of the fact that we are we are in the design industry, we're in the marketing industry, and our customers don't care about how the signs are made; they care about how it looks. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think that you know, like I like I just said a minute ago, with with, with that rise of technology, it's allowed people to get into the industry that don't have the design chops to you know to produce what the customers are, are wanting and, and i i think the the late 90s and the early 2000s were kind of a sad time for the industry where everything was you know whatever you know font bundle came with sign lab or whatever mm-hmm. uh, but i i think <laughs> sorry hey, I... ariel yeah. helvetica <laughs> uh what's the what's the other one olive uh, nord everything was yeah. antique olive yeah i it, or Euro style. That was a good one too. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you wanted something modern and contemporary, I, it, yeah, I, I think that, and I think that's, that's something that Signcraft did such a great job of, of was, was putting that first, you know, all the other sign industry magazines, they, you know, all of them kind of touch on design, but really they're, they're, they're much more manufacturing and, and business driven, which is fine. And that's all super important, obviously. But yeah, I think, you, sure. you know, you did such a great job of, of making, you're making that point that the you know design is the front line of what we're selling and it's the first thing people see and it's the last thing they react to after they their signs on their building and, and the, the emphasis has to be be that and he, you know even like bob Bahonic, did i'm saying that right bob Bahonic, Bahonic? yeah <laughs> even Bahonic. his articles yeah, i mean they were they were amazing i mean this this guy taught me to think about how i'm laying out a you know for sale banner or a you know mm-hmm. a, a job site sign or something and put and not just straight line black and red Helvetica, but, but actually put some serious thought into the layout on a, on a, you know, a four by eight sight sign. Mm-hmm. And, and like, that's, that was such an eye opener for me that, you know, it doesn't have to be boring and plain and, and black and white and yeah. look like every other sign. And you know, the cool thing about design is once you get those chops, once you get those fundamentals, you can, um, you got to jump can, in. 
You got a question, Pete? Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Hey, Tom, hey, very nice to meet you, sir. I got to jump out, but I just wanted to tell you. I just wanted to ask you one question. Sure. Uh, and then I'll I have to jump out, but I, I can't wait to hear the answer. You mentioned the design. Mike and I raised our fists in the air in, in, in celebration for that. You know, it's it's a matter of where can our listeners, the people that are listening to this podcast today, where, where can they go to, in your experience, from the resources you know, where can they go to like propel their design skills? If design is what we're selling, what, what would your response be to someone that says, how can I take my design team and like elevate what we're currently doing? Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough question, Peter, because there's really not one single source. Probably the closest thing we have to it is Mike Stevens' book, uh, Mastering Layout, which, but it's a little bit of a complex re- read. It's it's a it's a challenging book to read sometimes. That the principles are there, the fundamentals, and then I guess the the next best source I can think are all the things that people have shared in Signcraft. You know, all the <laughs> the kind of, and you know, the nice thing about the articles were they were just like nuggets. You know, you didn't have to sit down and digest a whole encyclopedia of, of information. You could get one thing like Bob, say my, my, uh, all the articles Bob wrote about on simplicity and, and, and on, or on using script. And I think it's best to learn those things one little bite at a time. We've been doing a, a series of articles on the, on the site lately on individual aspects of, of design. Like last week, I think it was, um, uh, use, using copy blocks to message blocks to break up and control copy. A few weeks before that, we did negative space. And so those kind of, you know, learning those little, learning about it a little bit at a time is, I think, easier than trying to take it all in and um, and then critique your own work against it. Uh, that's always hard, you know. There probably need to be more workshops for by outstanding designers on how design works and learning the fundamentals. You know, there was a, there was a bit of a design drain on the industry when uh, when computers came along because we lost some people to uh, like web design and graphic design where there was a, you make a better living over there and do some Thank cool stuff sure. still. And so we lost some of that, but I do think there's a lot of folks who have returned and, um, and are doing interesting work that we can still pick their brains and, and see why they do what they do. So hopefully this isn't like a, a painful question to answer. I apologize mm-hmm. if it is. What's your, how do you feel about the state of publishing right now? Obviously, You've moved Signcraft online, mm-hmm. which is painful for me, honestly. Like I, I, I hated to see that. Like I said, I mean, just the tactile quality of the magazine was was a huge yeah. part of the appeal. How how do you feel about that? How well you can imagine after forty two years of print print publishing, what what a shift it was for us, and it it cannot we cannot call it the same. Mm-hmm. There, it's a drastically different way to deliver information. The uh, you know, before it was a matter of designing spreads and, and designing the whole magazine so that as you went through it, you found what you needed and maybe you learned something that you were was unexpected, you know, in the next article. And then we had that, we always tried to maintain a mix of like some 3D work and some truck lettering and some flat signs so that there was a little bit for, of everything for everybody. That's that's impossible to do on, on the web. You know, we, we do our two or three articles a week and we can't really choreograph like you can with a, a print magazine. To me, print will always be king. It was a, it was a, the, 
a great way to deliver information. It's a tremendously portable source of information. You can take it out on the porch with a cup of coffee and fold down corners yes. of the pages yes. and come back yes. to. And, you know, I can never, half the time I can't find the article that, you know, I, I'm plundering through my history sometimes looking for something I, mm-hmm. I saw a week ago. But but with a print magazine, like I say, fold a corner down, put a post-it on it, come back to it later. So, and and I hear this, that I hear all day long. A lot of our readers are older readers who have been kind of begrudgingly drugged along into the digital world. So, um, but um, you know, but it, yeah. it is what it is. It's it for us to see that. I mean, even the printers, the printing companies that we used for you, which were big Midwestern web printers who printed and mailed small circulation magazine like ours from the center of the country to take advantage of the postal rates from coast to coast and stuff. Most of them have folded or merged with other companies. It, it's a literal bloodbath mm-hmm. in the publishing industry that, that's happened. And, and it's not, it's not going to stop. It's not going to come back. There are successful special interest magazines that are, people are doing now that are more, they call them bookazines, more or less. They, they don't really go out of style, out of date with a cover date so much. They're on a single topic, maybe, and whatnot. And those will probably be around. You know, they'll, they'll, those will survive. But as far as the serial publication where somebody's banging it out every other month or every month, that's getting harder and harder to do. And uh, some things you just miss terribly, like, where's the cover picture? Where's the cover photo? You know? So very often, you know, we get somebody will send us a link to some photos and we'll flip through there. And, you know, Dennis will look over my shoulder and say, oh, there's a cover. You know, but there is no cover. <laughs> so. It's definitely not the same. You know, I was, yeah, I was talking to Mike the other day, and I was like, I was, I was like, my wife is a deer has hit her car. The car's totaled, and we've been car shopping all day. But mm. I had got a, I got a physical catalog from a sign supplier that was like 150, 200 pages thick, and I thought those were dead. And it was like, okay, like at least there's one bright spot. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, along with Signcraft, like looking through all the the catalogs of like sign suppliers was like how you found out about new products and things like that. Right. Like, oh, hey, I've never tried this this particular yeah. vinyl or, or whatever before. So there, there's no doubt we we made a tremendous amount of progress thanks to the internet and and how we can share information and connect and everything. But at the same time, some really good things were lost in the shuffle. You know, some. The tactile experience, the the way to to be able to refer back to stuff is easy. And you know, in print magazines, the articles often took on a life of their own because people returned to them and they also referred to them in future articles and stuff. And you can make that connection. Digital information doesn't have that kind of life. You know, really the, the articles we do now, kind of in a few weeks. They're kind of just back there in the archives, you know, on the web page. And, yeah. and so you don't have that kind of reaching back to like somebody sent me a picture of their of their stack of sign crafts a year or so ago. And uh, they were dog eared beyond recognition. <laughs> they, they were you could barely tell that they I mean, some of these were from back when we were saddle stitch, you know, had staples in them, and, and they, the staples had long since given way. And it was just this pile of, of pages. But man, I thought when I saw this, man, somebody had a really good time here. 
looking yeah. through all those. That's awesome. They got some swiped some ideas and sold some jobs, and that's cool. What's cool about magazines that I don't think a website or online magazine will ever be able to accomplish is when you get a, a copy of Signcraft, you know, a printed version of Signcraft, you're going to read it cover to cover. You're going to look at every single page. And there's going to be articles in there that you might not otherwise have read, but because it's right there, you're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's interesting. Jersey-style semi-truck letter. I'll never letter a semi-truck in New Jersey, but I'm still going to read the article because the pictures are pretty, and I'm going to learn something from it. And I I think when that kind of information moves online, it's not – it, nothing forces you to stop and pause and, and, and absorb that information for a second. You're going to click on what appeals to you, what you're looking for, and you're going to, the rest of it's just going to kind of become background noise. And I, I think that yeah. losing that, I think, is the saddest thing for me because yeah, yeah. that's how I learned so much. It wasn't like, okay, I'm only going to read this article on this issue, but I'm going to read the entire damn article yes. the issue from front to back multiple times, like you said. And then mine looked the same way. Like, minor <laughs> a lot of mine are just destroyed because i've gone back and reread them cover to cover every time because i'm looking for one article but i'm going to read the whole thing when i open it up yes and and that's just it, it soaks, soaks into your brain and in a way that online content just never will be able to and, and that's what i think bums Mike, me out the most <laughs> absolutely like that that was so well said <laughs> that was uh <laughs> that's worth that's worth watching this podcast over for what you just said, because the um, it, it's actually, and I've read some about this. I've read a lot about it, that it's changing how we read and how we think, you know, online information changes how we read. You'll notice things have gotten shorter and shorter. You know, a lot of people are saying 200 words is, is like the two minute YouTube video. You know, they say, you know, if your, if your YouTube video runs over two minutes, you know, you lose X number of percentage of your viewers. So the attention span is getting smaller and, and it forces people to write differently mm-hmm. and to kind of jam all the information early enough in the article that, that rather than have, have it like a meal where you could give somebody their little appetizer, then a little bit later, serve them the main course and finish up with dessert. You kind of got to slop it all on one plate now in the first 200 words and try to get them to, uh, and hope they'll stay with you for the rest of it. Right. Yes. Yes. Well, I, just from my own experience, I'll tell you, like I I've written for several industry magazines at this point, but it's, it's for all online content and, very frustrating to try and jam a topic into 500 words, especially Mm -hmm. like something that you're passionate about and you feel like there's a, a not enough information out there. It's very difficult Mm -hmm. to do, but that's like you said, that's the attention span at this point. It has to be bulleted. You've got three, 400 words to, to teach somebody something, but how do you, you can't, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Right. You know? And when you're writing for search engines, you've got to repeat phrases so many times and all that stuff. It, it, it really changes the tone of the, of the writing and the feel of the writing. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a big loss to, in that regard. So, so Tom, what can we all do? What can I do to get Signcraft back in print? Will it ever happen? Can we make it happen? Can we start a kick, kick Kickstarter or something? <laughs> I don't know. I have had so many <laughs> requests like that. Like I, I don't know. I, we've thought about revisiting a, 
uh, revisiting print is either like an annual or a semi-annual magazine. And um, so that there's always the possibility for one thing, we, we love doing them. So that that's the greatest impetus. And I, I, I believe that there are enough of us out there that value print that, that we could, could get an audience. So it, it's, it's not out, outside the realm of possibility, but it's, it's, Let's set up a pre-order right after this for the annual edition of Seinfeld. Honestly, like if you even just did like an annual, you know, 300 page bound book, you know, something with a hardcover Mm -hmm. that was like a collector's item, I I would totally pay several hundred dollars for that. Like without even thinking about it. I mean, it it would, Well, thank you. and I'm not alone in that. I know that a lot of people would, and I, or I'd I'd pony up a couple hundred bucks a month or year for a subscription to, you know, a, a quarterly publication as well i mean i, I just uh-huh. i th- i think there's a lot of people out there that are, that are just absolutely desperate for that and 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 missing that and I, I i know like it's a tiny industry and no matter how much we're all willing to pay it'll it'll never overcome the hurdle of of uh, you know the current state of publishing and how expensive and difficult yeah. it would be to 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 recreate a magazine like Seinecraft, you know but man right. i wish we I, mean, I wish you would do it <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be fun, and like I say, I, I, I'll uh, I'll keep it on the table here for us. So. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah. you know the the there is there's just something about, and I mean, all of us had special interest magazines that we got back in those days. If you fished, or if you were a photographer, or, or whatnot, and so waiting for that that copy of that magazine, whether it was Seinecraft or Popular Photography or uh, you know, outdoor sports, American sports or something. Waiting for the magazine was part of the the deal, you know, getting getting the mail that early in the month and expecting to find your, your magazine there. And then you just kind of squirreled it away and saved some time that night to start flipping through it. So yeah. it'd be fun to, to, to help revive some of that. Well, if you ever decide to and you need some extra manpower, you you let us know <laughs> because we will be there with bells on to help you. <laughs> Or at least that's I will. Cool. I guess I won't well, speak for yeah, me, yeah. but I will. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Uh, it, that's cool. Yeah, I've got I've got three little girls to think about, but yeah, <laughs> I, 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 my dad. Well, you guys are on the the other side of Florida. My dad's in Pensacola, but um, yeah, I think we can make it work. I'm down. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Florida. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. If if, <laughs> <laughs> I, if Mike some... is going to go to Florida, you know we're doing something now because Mike hates the the balmy weather down there <laughs> not, not a big florida person but but i would totally yeah. do it in a heartbeat if, if that opportunity ever okay. came along. Yeah. Yeah. well i can tell you a hurricane a hurricane like that last one will, will make a lot of people not florida people especially some of <laughs> those of us who are here for it so but maybe the florida reputation has been seriously tarnished there with that so <laughs> yeah, for sure well uh this feels like a, a pretty good closing point guys um Tom, is there anything you want to say to the audience before we sign no, off? You know, like any I advice have, you want to give? Like, I guess I do. I guess I do. Ahead. There's there's a secret that I've heard over and over again in in the, from sign people about being successful at this, and and that is show up. You'd be surprised how many people I've told that we published a magazine for sign people, who's their comeback was sign people. I called four sign shops before I could get one to, to come over. Or, or, you know, I went and talked to a guy, he never called me back. You know, that, that is bad for business and it's bad for the industry. And so really, 
you know, customer service is is critical. And, um, you know, the whole under-promise and over-deliver concept, the shops that I know who are most successful, they nail it on the customer relations and that idea of delivering stuff on time or ahead of time. And it contributes to their to their success. So I think everybody, that's a, a little secret, I think, that I've heard over and over again that could um, could work for in everybody's favor. And you can charge more when you do that. When you, when you meet people's needs, I think now more than ever, when you satisfy customers and meet their needs, you can charge for it. So. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so simple, so understated, but it's like hugely important what you just said. Like, yeah, just, kind you know, of like show up, answer the phones, call people back, do what you said yeah. you're going to do. It's, yeah, uh, it goes without saying. Kind of, it's kind of like look back to the to when you were first in business, you know, and, and the phone wasn't ringing and, and somebody did call all the way across town for a sign for a hot dog shop. You dropped everything and burned it over there. And then you put a little extra juice in the design and, and you got it over there and installed it on a Saturday and, and they loved it. And they were happy with you, even if it was a mediocre job at the time, but that kind of, you treat customers like that. Uh, it makes them customers forever for life. Absolutely. That's well said. Absolutely. Mike, any pardon shots? I, I can't say it any better than that. Honestly, like that's that's a brilliant piece of advice. I, I think we should probably do a podcast episode on you know on, on that topic. To be honest with you, I think it's something that we've not touched on um, too aggressively yet, and maybe we can get Tom back to, <laughs> to chat about that that end of the industry a little bit. But no, I I, I, sure. I totally agree. I mean, I think showing up is ninety percent of the battle, and yeah. you know, I, I can tell you too that I, I have. And all of us, Bill, Dennis, John, we, we have the utmost respect for sign people because they have a really unique business, a really unique hole to fill in the economic picture, and they don't give very many kudos. Usually they get dragged <laughs> on or um, neglected. But um, to me, they're some of the most interesting and creative people in the business world, and they, they do more. To, for how a community looks and feels than almost everything else, maybe even more than the architecture. So like I say, my, my hat is always off to every sign person who's, who's out there slugging it out and, uh, and putting up with all the baloney that, that they have to deal with. And they're, <laughs> and they're still churning out cool it's, stuff. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. That's a, that's a good parting line. <laughs> I, I, it, Tom, uh, I, I I don't even know if I need to ask this, but how can uh, anybody who's interested learn more about you and Signcraft? Okay, yeah, just hop over to Signcraft.com. Signcraft.com. <laughs> yeah, pretty easy. I, I, and, I, if, uh, if nobody, if if somebody is listening and doesn't know Signcraft, shame on you. Number one, <laughs> get over to Signcraft right now. Check it out. Um, <laughs> do you guys have any like back issues for sale? Like, are we, those are. We do. We have about uh, about I think it's just over half of the issues still available in print, and oh, nice. uh, they're great re- uh, resource. You know, I, I've been meaning to put together some bundled uh, copies, either by the year or something, some packages. And oh yeah, definitely. Work, yeah, that way we could work the shipping down to where it was affordable because it, they are expensive to ship. But we'll we'll work on that and get something on the site maybe where folks can get a you know get twenty issues that they can get back through go back through and snag some of these great articles because so often when i look back to these articles these magazines i see that the great stuff that people have shared 
it knocks me out. I think that folks wrote articles and gave away really good, solid ideas and, and information. And it's a shame that they're, that they're just sitting on a shelf somewhere. So, but yeah. we'll look into yeah, you that. You guys should definitely do that because it's, you know, a hey, sign craft to me was always about those nuggets that you mentioned. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, I, if I could just get one nugget out of the magazine, like I, I that's going to, I could use that nugget for a lifetime. So mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a good point to stop. Tom, wow. Thanks for coming on. This has been great to have you on. Um, I think I, I, one of my goals at the start of the podcast was to have you on as a guest. So I could definitely check that box now. I appreciate <laughs> you. Uh, Mike, anything else? I'm just geeking out over here. I don't think I've smiled this much in, throughout an entire podcast episode. Like, that's, honestly, that's like, I, I don't, it sounds kind of insane to say, but like you, you and, and what you've done for the industry, I mean, it's always, it's always been inspirational to me. So it's been, it's, it's really an honor to have you here and meet you. And, and we really appreciate your time. Really, really. Well, thanks so and, much. And we'd love to have you back. If you don't, don't be a stranger. I mean, we okay. You have Glad to more information and knowledge and, and stories in your head. I can imagine than just about anybody else in this industry. And I feel like we should, you know, make it like a quarterly thing or something. Just have Tom on and tell us <laughs> stories from back in the day. Like, how cool would that be? <laughs> well, thank you so much, and thank Peter for me. I I really appreciate the invitation, and and I really enjoyed uh, hanging out with y'all today that it's uh it's a pretty good feeling to hear all those good things about signcraft so i'm pretty well juiced for the for the next quarter so (laughs) excellent (laughs) great well tom we appreciate you thank you all right take care thank you guys take care all right we'll see you. bye-bye you're welcome all right so that is the episode mike rapid takeaways rapid fire takeaways what what are what are we closing this one with i I feel like that one was a killer episode i don't I don't no, even know where to where to go with this one, to be honest with you. Yeah, that was just that was a like a icing on the cake of my career to talk to him and, and interview him on that. It was it was really cool. I mean, he is definitely one of my idols in the industry, and just a, a wealth of knowledge and history in this in this industry. I, I think uh, it's cool to hear some of his stories. I, like, I really would love to have him back on and hear more because I I think that guy could probably talk for for hours and hours about his experiences and the people he knows in the industry. But yeah, it was it was awesome. Takeaway: I think he reinforced something that I'm always preaching about, and that is we're selling we're selling design first and foremost. We're selling marketing, and and you know if you're not putting your emphasis on putting out quality designs out there, you're hurting your business, you're hurting your customer's business and the industry as a whole. hundred percent. Like if you're not doing the work, if you're not acting like a professional, like a, like it or not, when you take a job from a customer, you are now responsible for whatever outcome they're looking for, whether that's driving more customers to their business with a sign or promoting awareness for their cause, or even just driving signups to the peewee football team. Whatever that is, like you've got to rise to the occasion and and make it happen. So. Yeah, and it's a it's a topic that's come up more than once on this. You know, with our guests, you know, Dan Antonelli. Obviously, we mentioned that was definitely a big, you know, big pusher of that. And it's interesting to hear that continue to come up time and time again, which I think says something. I hope people are paying attention to that. And I also really like that Tom closed it out by saying, "Just show up, answer the phone, you know, <laughs> right. do the work." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hard for some sign people to do. I mean, we've all been there, but. Yeah, I what a what a great conversation. I really enjoyed that. 
Yeah, yeah, I did as well. Uh, you know, to me, it was more about a, just a, taking nuggets from that conversation and taking nuggets from Seinecraft. Like that's a that really resonated with me. You know, over over the years, I feel like when I've tried to like take on too much at, at one time or like, Hey, I'm going to learn this or I'm going to learn that. I always struggled. So, you know, just commit to getting a little bit better each day. And that was, that's what was great about getting the, the published magazine of Seinecraft was just like, Hey, here's one technique that I could probably use in the next week or two for a particular project. Mm-hmm. You know, I could be inspired by the rest of it, but usually I always got one nice little technique or layout yeah. that I might be able to emulate in my own mm-hmm. designs. So to, to not take at least one thing away from every issue of Seinecraft, I think is impossible or you're just not reading <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, like everyone is just, is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Well, before we close out, I would like to thank our sponsor GCI digital. If you are looking for a wholesale or trade printing partner for large format or wide format or grand format printing. I've seen those new printers that TJ and his team have got. They are massive. Uh, If you are looking for a trade printer who has good customer service, like we just talked about, look up printgci.com, GCI Digital, owner TJ Bedact. We had him on the podcast episode nine, I want to say. Check them out. If you would like, if you are interested in being a guest on the podcast, send us an email at hey at bettersignshop.com. We'd love to hear your story. We really like to talk to people. As you could tell, this is like two hours by now, I'm sure. If you are a sign shop owner, make sure you look up the Better Sign Shop community on Facebook. It is our free community for sign shop owners. And, uh, If you like everything else, take a look at Mike's website, Letterbox Sign Design. Scope some of his work. Just don't steal it. He'll come after you. Uh, (laughs) What is it? DMCA. You'll get the takedown notice. Be inspired. Don't blindly copy. Thanks, Brent. Sounds great. Love it. All right. All right, guys. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. If you liked this episode, make sure you hit subscribe to get all the latest episodes and check out our website, bettersignshop.com. Get free resources and helpful tools on growing your shop. Thanks for listening.